Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah. Praise His holy When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His goodness and how He set me free, I want to clap, 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 clap all night, all night. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His goodness and how He set me free, I want to shout, shout. Shout, shout, shout all night, all night. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah, praise His holy name. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His goodness and how He set me free, I want to clap, 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 clap all night, all night. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His goodness, how He set me free, I want to shout, 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 shout all night, all night. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His goodness and how He set me free, I want to jump, 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 jump. All night, all night, when I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, and I think of His goodness, how He set me free, I want to praise, 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 all night, all night. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah. Praise His holy name. Hallelujah. Come on, just give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You alone are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord and bless his holy name. 
I will sing unto the Lord, for He is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord and bless His holy name. You are holy, you are righteous, you are magnificent, you are victorious, you are mighty, you are omnipotent. There is none that can compare. You are holy. You are righteous. You are magnificent. You are victorious. You are mighty. You are omnipotent. There is none that can compare. I've come to bless your name. I will sing unto the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord and bless his holy name. I will sing unto the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord and bless his holy name. You are holy, you are righteous, you are magnificent, you are victorious, you are mighty, you are omnipotent, there is none that can compare. You are holy, you are righteous, you are magnificent, you are victorious, you are mighty, you are omnipotent. There is none that can compare. I've come to bless your name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Everybody come and bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Let everybody come and bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Let everybody come and bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. Let everybody come and bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. Let everybody come and bless his name. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord and bless his holy name. You are holy, you are righteous, you are magnificent, you are victorious, you are mighty, you are omnipotent. There is none that can compare. I've come to bless your name. Praise God. What an honor, what a high privilege it is to enter into the presence of Almighty God, to bless His name, to worship and to praise our Creator. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is ever and altogether worthy to receive all worship and all praise, to receive all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are my King. You are my Savior, my Creator. You are the lover of my soul. You are the one who died for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. I will worship you. I will praise you today. 
I will praise the Almighty in this place. I will declare the great goodness of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're an awesome God. And you wish, you desire to do awesome things in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a great God, church. An awesome God. Amen. Praise God. If for no other reason than He hung on a cross in my place. That's what my Jesus did for me. He hung on a cross in my place. That was my punishment. That was my just punishment for my sins that He bore. And He paid for them Himself. I love Him. I will worship Him with my life. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for standing, entertaining God's presence. You can be seated for a moment. Amen. I want to give honor to our visitors today. Amen. If I can read this. Greg. I can't read the last name. Hoff. I'm sorry. Thank you. Greg Hoff. He's back with us. Amen. So good to see you, Greg. Amen. And we also have Thomas and Lily uh, joining us today. Amen. We are so privileged and blessed to have you with us. Amen. God bless you. We pray that God moves mightily on each of you, that God ministers to your needs today. Amen. If there's anything we can do, please let one of our ushers know. Uh, and, and they'll get you taken care of. Amen. Amen. All right, let's all stand. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Praise God. Brother, Brother Ruth is already here. All right. <laughs> I'm going to get out of the way. Let's worship God one more time as He, as he, as he comes back. And... Uh, <laughs> Let's call out to the Lord one more time. Let's ask Him to bless this service. This is His service. We are His people. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. Lord, we thank You, Jesus. Thank You for the opportunity to be in Your presence, God. To hear what Your Word says to us today. Father, give us ears to hear, Lord Jesus. Give us a mind to receive and to comprehend. And give us understanding, O God. What you're about to say today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 While you're standing, we'll go ahead and and read the scripture, amen, that we're going to be kind of talking about today. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 16, we're going to kind of skip around a little bit. Verses 1 and 2, then verse 6, then verse 9 through 12. Deuteronomy 16. Amen. And when you're there, say amen. Amen. I don't want anybody to miss out. Amen. It was the first time whenever I read the Scripture that God started dropping those things into my heart and my mind and my spirit 30, some 35 years ago. 
And that's where it all started. God planted some things in me just from reading some scriptures, and it just grew from there. Amen. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover until the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God. Of the flock and of the herd, in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. That's important. But at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there shalt thou sacrifice the Passover at evening, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. Verse 9. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according to as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Verse 11, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you, in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. Notice that he has repeated that at least twice. Verse 12, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be among your people today. We give you praise and glory and honor for your name is above every name, Lord Jesus, that you would do a mighty work in this place. Only you can do it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you'll clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Leviticus 23, 15-17 says, And you shall count unto you from, tomorrow, from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheep, of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall, shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days. And ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. And ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. Does anybody know what today is? Feast of Pentecost, right? Pentecost Sunday. What we call it. In one of these scriptures that we were reading, they called it, thou and he said, Thou shalt keep the Feast of Weeks. Also, it's called the Feast of the Harvest. It's also called the Feast of Ingathering. It's a very, very prominent Jewish feast. And it's no coincidence that the church was brought into existence on this day. How many knows that God doesn't do anything by coincidence? Nothing by happenstance. We don't just happen to show up somewhere. I didn't just happen to join the military and end up in a place called Okinawa, Japan. And I didn't just happen to walk into an apostolic church there in 1989. It didn't just 
magically happen. It wasn't just some happenstance. God was ordaining my life, and I was where exactly where I needed to be. And God knew that. And so I experienced my own personal Pentecost at that moment. Colossians 2 and 16 through 17 speaks of the holy days, the feasts, as the picture of the Messiah. The Jews still to this day celebrate many of these feasts. Leviticus 23:17 that we already read commanded the Israelites to offer two wave loaves baked with leaven. So if you go back, and we're just going to do a little history on Pentecost just briefly here. If you go back to the 50 days prior to Pentecost, what was that day? We just read it. Passover. What was the Passover for? The Passover was celebrated because when Israel was taken out of Egypt by Moses, what was the last thing they did before they walked out their door? Right as the death angel was passing through, they were told to go into their houses and they were told to celebrate the, the passing over of the death angel by eating bitter herbs and, and eating a, a lamb that was without spot and they had to eat it all up. If they didn't eat it, they had to burn it up. And they were, get, they were, they were eating this, this meal in haste. Why? Because they were leaving. They had their sandals on their feet. They had their staffs in their hands. They, they had their bags packed, if you will, and they were ready to go. Kind of like being in the restaurant at the airport. You've already got your bags packed. You're waiting on your flight to be called. You're just trying to stuff a meal down in yourself before they call your plane. So that's what they were doing. So what is what is the what happened on the day of or around the day of Passover in the New Testament? Actually, it was the Old Testament. We call it the New Testament, but we were still in Old Testament under Old Testament law. If you read. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're not really a part of the New Testament. Because we're, they were still celebrating Old Testament stuff. The New Te- we'll get into that. So what happened on Passover? What, what, do we, what, what did they kill on Passover? A, a, a spotless lamb, right? A lamb without blemish. That lamb didn't do anything to anybody. He was just born. But he was sacrificed. What did God do when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? Adam and Eve didn't kill the the animals that he made skins out of. God did. So from the very beginning, blood has been a part of man's salvation, if you will. Because that was their salvation from God judging them right there, right now. And so on that, what, what happened before Jesus died? Didn't he go and celebrate the Passover with his disciples? And so he became the spotless lamb, didn't he? The Bible says that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. As the pastor already said, he was slain for us. He took that beating for you and me. Whether we acknowledge it or not is irrelevant. He took that beating because he was God, robed in flesh. He looked down through time because we know that God sees the end from the beginning 
in the beginning from the ending. So we know that he looked down through time and he saw Rob Becker and he saw Wayne Shepherd and he saw Jesse Shepherd and he saw all of us in this room and he said, I'm doing it for them. For all of our sin. That was why he, when he was in that garden, that was why he bled as it were great sweat, as it were great drops of blood. Because he was taking on all of our mess to that cross. That's why he said of those that were crucifying him, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had to forgive them. He was doing it for them that were crucifying him. He couldn't leave them out. Because the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. Right? But that all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. And so he commanded the Israelites on that day of Pentecost, back in in the Jewish days when they were celebrating this feast, to to offer two wave loaves baked with leaven. Why did he make them bake it with leaven? Because the the loaves that they offered on Passover didn't have any leaven in it. Why? Because they had to make it in haste. They had to make it in a hurry. They didn't have time to put the, the leaven in there and let the bread rise before they could put it in the oven and bake it. Anybody ever tasted unleavened bread? It's kind of like eating a cracker. Okay. Anybody ever had a nice, soft, warm loaf of bread? Like the ones they bring to you at some of these restaurants? Mm. Steaming, man. Butter just melts on it. Ugh. That's some bread right there. But they had, they had to, on the, on the celebration of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of the Harvest, they had to celebrate with that, that bread that was baked with the wheat that they just harvested, right? And they had to put leaven in it. Why? Was there a reason? Did God just uh, just come up and, and say, eh, I don't know, just add some leaven this time? Just on a whim? No, what was the, the leaven was there for a reason. The book, the Bible is full of types and shadows. What's a type and a shadow? It's, it's, it's a picture of things maybe to come. God didn't do anything by accident, and so he didn't do this by accident either. He had them put that leaven in there because leaven is a type of sin. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You even put a little tiny bit of yeast in some dough, and it's going to leaven the whole entire lump of dough. Even less than what it calls for, it's still going to be leaven in there. So the celebration that the Jews, what they called it, was Shavuot. I think that's how you pronounce it. In the Old Testament, celebrated not only the Passover, but also God's giving of the Ten Commandments. Isn't His Word the bread of life? On Mount Sinai. Shavuot, or Pentecost, in the New Testament, brought into being a new group called the church. The church was made up of two groups of people in that day. They were the redeemed Jews and the Gentiles. See, they all lived together. 
And so the Gentiles were influenced by the Jews. And so those people that were there on the day of Pentecost when that message was preached were predominantly Jews. And it was the Jews that formed the body of Christ. Amen? So as we said already, leaven is a picture of sin, 1 Corinthians 5, 5 through 6. The church is made up of individuals who still have their sin nature in their life. Yet they belong to God. I still have my sin nature. Just because I got baptized in Jesus' name and took on His name and was filled with the Holy Ghost, those people, in, when they got delivered out of Egypt, they brought their old nasty attitudes with them. One long for they were crying for leeks and onions. Anybody ever had leeks? <laughs> onions I'm okay with. Leeks, on the other hand, I'll pass. Sometimes we find ourselves maybe in our minds saying, man, why did I leave that world out there and come and follow this? This is no fun. Or whatever the devil lies and tells you in your mind. And so those Jews on that day, little did they know what how how important it was that they were there on that day of Pentecost. How important it was to us that they were there. God doesn't do anything by accident. Everything He does is for a reason. One writer stated the following about the day of Pentecost. For the Hebrews, the day of Pentecost, which was usually in the early part of our month of June, is a celebration of the day of the conclusion of the grain harvest. See, when, when, they had, when they brought their, their sheaves before the Lord at Passover, that was the first sheaves that they cut down in the field as they were beginning the harvest. And so they would take that first sheaf and they would do a wave offering before the Lord, thanking Him for giving them a good harvest. And then they had seven weeks to get the rest of that harvest out of the field. And what happened... Like in the book of Ruth, what happened? Where did Ruth go in the field, in Boaz's field? She went to the corners. Why, why did they leave the, the sheets? Why did they leave the crop in the corners of the field? Well, there was a reason for that. They were commanded to. That was for who? The poor. Those didn't have farms. Those that didn't have their own field, they left the corners of the field for the poor to go glean the leftovers. If you want to say it that way. So the Lord birthed His church on that day that the Jews celebrated the feast of the conclusion of a successful barley harvest. See, those Jews were all products of the Jewish faith, if you will. The Jewish religion, if you will. And so, the day of Pentecost, or what we call the birthday of the church, was both an end and a beginning. It was the end of the Old Testament 
the Old Testament law, the, all the things that were were combined to be a part of the Old Testament, that that Old Testament, what's a testament? It's it's like a last will. It's a it's a promise. It's it's they. It's it's the time that the Jews lived on the earth, and they the only way they could worship God was to go to the the temple and bring their sacrifice. And there was a lot of blood and a lot of killing and a lot of burning. And they had to have the priesthood, and all these things had to happen year after year after year to push their sins back another year. And so that that day on that day of Pentecost. At the very, there was like a split second moment where the Old Testament ended and the new one started. By choosing that day, choosing this day to begin the building of his church, the Lord made it clear that the harvest under the Old Testament plan of salvation was concluded. There was an Old Testament plan of salvation. Those who were added to the church on its birthday were all Jews, race or religion, making them the gleanings. That's what they called those ones that went into the corners of the field, the gleaners. The Jews that were saved on the day of Pentecost that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name, were they were the gleanings of the Jewish harvest. So the purpose of this reaping was different than that under the Old Testament harvest was reaped the converts or the, the harvest were added to the church and not they were not made Jewish proselytes. They weren't added to the Jewish religion if you want to look at it that way. So I got a question for you. I'm just going to shift gears right here. Is anybody in this room familiar with what what would be called being called on the carpet? Does that does that ring a bell with anybody? Anybody ever been called on the carpet besides me? Anybody ever been chewed out by the boss, the supervisor, the first sergeant, the sergeant major, the commander? I wish Brother Parker was here. He was telling me a story about how he got chewed out over one piece of missing equipment. And it wasn't even his fault, but he had to take the chewing from the commander, and he had to just stand there and take it. Why? Because he knew he was wrong. And it doesn't make it any easier, does it? Whether you know that you're wrong or you have no idea why you're being called into the boss's office <laughs> or the first sergeant's office, it doesn't make it any easier to receive that, does it? And you just have, you know that you just have to stand there and take it. And you're just praying, Lord, don't let them fire me. Something like this happened to those precious men we call the disciples in the book in the in the book we call the Bible. He they got chewed out by Jesus. Mark 16 verse 14. This is after Jesus had died and and all those things and the, and you know they you have to kind of step back and and ask yourself, you know, some questions, you know, what what led these men to do what they did? And and this, this, there was a lot of persecution already going on over this Jesus guy. 
anybody that was associated with him, even and up to and including Peter, who preached on the day of Pentecost, what, how was he acting? Prior to Jesus being crucified, I don't know him. He was cursing and swearing, and I don't know him. Everybody was trying to say, yeah, 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 you're one of his. No, I'm not. Persecution was happening. How are we going to act when persecution comes to us? Not if persecution comes. It's coming. You better pay attention to your world events. It's coming. If it came then, it's coming now. Verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven. Why was there only eleven? Because one of them was one of the ones that turned Jesus over to be crucified. And then he hung himself. The other one that denied Jesus, what did he do? He went and found a place of repentance. He he said, it's not worth dying over, but I'm going to go get right with God. As they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their unbelief. That word upbraided means to defame, to disparage, to reproach. Generally, it means to rail at, to revile, to assail with abusive words. Now, we've read, we read that word upbraided, and we just kind of skim over and go right past it. Oh, yeah, he upbraided them. Okay, let's move on. But no, he was giving them... A tongue lashing, if you will. That's why I brought that up about being called on the carpet and being chewed out by the boss. They were being a, getting a good chewing out from Jesus. Why? If we keep reading. He upbraided them with their unbelief, their uncertainty, their disobedience, their lack of confidence and faith in Christ's power and His promises. He made all these promises to them. He told them what was going to happen. And where did, he, where did he find them? Hiding in a room. Because the one scripture says, for fear of the Jews. They're going to kill him. They're going to come after us next. And their hardness of heart. Wow. Not just their unbelief. Their hardness of heart or their stubbornness and their obstinance. None of us have ever been guilty of that, have we? Very quiet in here. Not even this week, right? We're still flesh, folks. It's going to happen. But we can find a place of repentance, can't we? Amen. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. People saw him and they didn't believe it. How quickly they decided that, oh, I think I'm not going to believe this anymore. And he said unto them, after he railed on them, after he disparaged them, reproached them, reviled them, and used abusive words at them, isn't this what happens when the boss chews you out? Then he says, now, Mr. Becker, we're not going to do this anymore, are we? No, sir. We're not going to lose any more equipment, are we? No, sir. You have a nice day, Sergeant Becker. And you just salute and you walk out. And you go, I don't ever want that to happen again. <laughs> and then you go just give what for to them troops that got you in trouble, right? <laughs> I am not getting chewed out by the first sergeant again. All of you drop. 
right? We're not supposed to do that, but. He'd said all that, and then he's turned around and changed his whole tune and said, and go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, boys, now that I've gotten this straight with you all, here's what you're going to do, like I told you before. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Interesting point there. Whether they believed it or not on the day of Pentecost was on them that believed, wasn't it? It wasn't on the disciples. Jesus wasn't holding them accountable if, the, if those that were hearing it didn't believe it. It's, it's on them. Isn't it on us? Isn't God going to hold me accountable if I don't believe Him? If I choose not to believe, Sister Bell, if, if I choose not to follow Him, if I choose not to sacrifice my life to Him, He's going to hold me accountable. I'm going to be the only one standing there on that day. And I'm going to have to give an account. I can't bring my wife in there and say, Hey, back me up, honey. It ain't going to work that way. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe and obey the gospel. Of New Testament salvation. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Who are they? Believers. Right? Any believers in the house? A whole bunch of us, right? He said believers would do that. Not special people. It doesn't say these signs shall follow them that have preaching license. Doesn't say that these signs shall follow them that are part of an organization. Doesn't say that. So we don't have an excuse. Well, that's not for me. I'm not a minister. Well, yeah, you are. Just because some man didn't recognize that you have a ministry doesn't make you not a minister. God's going to hold you accountable for being that minister. <laughs> no matter what man says, will I please God or man? Who are you trying to please? They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Who, who is this again? Believers. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth. They looked at each other and said, well, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not sitting around here anymore. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not getting another tongue lashing from the Lord. Because they knew at that point, he'll come back and he'll, he'll come back with a vengeance. And so it says they went forth and preached everywhere. Where's everywhere? Everywhere. That's revelation. Man, that Brother Richard, he is so deep. Whew. The Lord working with them. He's going to send you. He's not going to give you all the details of what to do when you get there. But you just have to go. And he'll work all that out when you get there. He'll tell you what to say, where to go, what to do when you get there. He wants to see if we're going to go first. And confirming the word with signs following. That's how you know. You're not going for the signs and the miracles. You're just going to be faithful. Wherever it is he's telling you to go, whatever it is he's telling you to do, you're just going to go and do and wait for God to show up and show off and show himself mighty, and you're going to give him all the credit. 
You're not going to take any of it. Right? So what did the eleven do after they were upbraided? They took it to heart. How many of us have been chewed out by the boss? We took it to heart. Because we knew that could have that could be what we did or what we got accused of or whatever was could have been grounds for firing. But in their mercy they let us stay on. And so what did we walk out of that office with a determination that we were not going to do that again? That thing. I need this job. I gotta feed my family. I am not going to get fired from this job over something silly. From this point on, I'm doing some things different. Sometimes that would, and that's what it takes sometimes. And Jesus knew that's what it would take for his disciples. He needed them to be there because he had spent three and a half years training them to take the church to the next level. Which is exactly what they did. They obeyed the instructions of Jesus in Luke twenty four forty nine to go into Terry and Jerusalem until they were to receive the promise of the Father, which was power from on high. Did they not? The Bible says that he spoke to above five hundred people before he departed in Acts one. I believe that's where it's at. But how many were people were in the upper room? About hundred and twenty. The Bible says about hundred and twenty. Doesn't say exactly hundred and twenty. I never noticed that before. <laughs> a lot of those numbers, if you look real close at the Bible, it always has the word about right there. Except for like the 11. There was only 11. But there was about 120 in that upper room. So out of 500, 120 said, we're going to go. Now, was there still persecution going on? So being associated with these Jesus followers was, was going to bring some persecution on you. If you made that decision, sounds like, right? Especially if you were a Jew. Because those religious Jewish people were the ones that crucified him. The ones, that, the very ones he came here for. Didn't even recognize that he was the Messiah. And on that day, on the day of Pentecost, they were all present, all those guys including Peter, who stood up to preach. Didn't know he was going to stand up to preach. Didn't know what he was going to say. He just stood up and the Holy Ghost started prompting him what to say. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have a Bible. He had nothing. He had no notes. He just stood up. This is the guy that had denied that he knew Jesus. So the Holy Ghost had to be speaking through him because of what happened on that day. These signs shall follow them that believe. And they were all present there. And, G- and he stood in the midst of a crowd of people. Of it's, The Bible calls it a multitude. It doesn't say exactly how many. But all the Jews were there for their Feast of Pentecost. And so he had an audience. And he went to an open public venue. And in Acts 2.14, he, he began to proclaim to the Jewish multitude the good news that Jesus was crucified for their sakes. And he was going, he was just, if you read it, Peter just went through the whole, pretty much the whole gory details of what happened. And he pretty much called them out for being the ones that crucified him. You crucified the Lord of glory.
It was up to the crowd to respond to the gospel. It's very possible that some of those people on that day of Pentecost that were Jews were some of the same people that were there when they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They weren't just saying it like this. They were shouting it. Some of those same Jews standing there listening to Peter preach were shouting, crucify him not long ago. And now they were, they were in a place where they were being challenged about what they had done. Acts 2, 37 through 47, verse 37 starts with, now, they, now when they heard, they is the crowd, they are the, believe, the people that are listening to Peter preach. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Anybody ever been pricked in your heart? They were metaphorically meaning to be greatly pained or deeply moved, penetrated by the Word of God. What does Hebrews 4 and 12 say about the Word of God? That it's quick, that it's powerful, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's able to divide asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and of the marrow, and is a discerner. Of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's how powerful the Word of God is. The Passion Translation says it this way. The Word penetrates to the very core of our being and interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. That's what was happening to those people in that crowd. The ones that were listening. Some of them were listening with these things. But some of them it was getting past these things in here in their heart, in their core of their being. They were being challenged. They were, that's why it says they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto him and to the rest of the apostles, Man and brethren, what shall we do? How many of us have ever asked that question to ourselves? Lord, what am I going to do? When you realize that you have messed up, even in the world, when you realize you have just made a really bad decision and it's, it's too late to turn back, now what am I going to do? That's the worst feeling in the world. And that's what they were feeling. And that's what was happening when Peter was preaching. That was the Holy Ghost speaking through Peter and challenging their hearts. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Do an about face. Turn. The way you're going, don't go that way anymore. Change your mind, change your heart, change your direction. Repent and be baptized. Baptized is baptizo, which means to dip or to plunge. You've got to be buried in water, right? Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Every one of you. Every one of you. Who was there? Who were they supposed to allow to come into their, to their dwelling when they were celebrating this in the Old Testament? We read about it. 
Thou shalt. <clears throat> it says here that thy sons, thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, the Levite is within thy gates, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, they're among you. Everybody. Everybody. This is for everybody. This Pentecost that some of us in this room have experienced is for everybody. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall. What does shall mean? Shall. Will. He's a, it's a promise. He said, you shall. If you'll do these things, you shall receive this. For this promise, the promise of the Father, spoken of in Joel 2.28, where he said, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my servants and my handmaids, I'll pour out of my spirit. It's for everybody. For this promise is unto you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Who is all who are afar off? That's anybody. This is for everybody. This is for every individual. There's a book, there's a Bible, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says all the souls are His. They all belong to Jesus. Whether they want to or not, whether they acknowledge Him or not, whether they choose to receive His love and return it to Him or not is on them. But they're all His. Every soul's going to go through that judgment day. Whether good or bad, ugly or beautiful, left or right, doesn't matter. We're all going to stand before the Bible says the judgment seat of Christ. You're not going to be judged by your family. You're not going to be judged by anybody. Verse 41. Oh, verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. He said a lot more than what's in this book. Saying, save yourselves from this untoward or this wicked generation. Has that changed? We're still living in a wicked generation. Just It's just 2023 instead of whatever year, 30 A.D. Still a wicked generation. Then they, who are they, the crowd that gladly received His Word, were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So out of a multitude, and and every Jew that could get there was there, so there was probably way more than 3,000. Could have been a million people there. And Peter preached with no sound system. How did he do that? I don't know. But they heard it. 3,000 people who were Jews who may very well have been there when they were saying crucify him and saying it themselves, either even thinking it in their hearts, were being pricked in their hearts and they received the promise of the Father. Now, I talked about all the persecution. So those people had to know that when they made that choice, when they said, hey, I hear this and I I got to respond to it. You can hear it, but never respond to it. You can even hear it in here and never respond. You can choose not to respond. And God's okay with that. Because it's your choice. 
Pastor, He made us free moral agents. We have a free will. We can choose to do as we will. And those 3,000 people or so said, regardless of the persecution I might face back home with my family, regardless of whatever happens, because, you know, if you're a Muslim today and you you become a Christian, your family disowns you. They don't even want you around. They just disown you. They kick you out. You're done. You're not even part of the family anymore. Go, leave. Don't ever come back. You have to believe that some of these Jewish people that received this on the day of Pentecost went through that. It doesn't say that, but I like to look behind the curtain sometimes and say, what was really going on then? But, you know, they must have just said, we don't care. Because this is serious. This stuff I'm talking about is serious. And so those first converts of the New Testament, this New Testament, this new thing, what did they do with what they had? Their new birth, their water, the birth of water and birth of the Spirit. What did they do with that? Well, the Bible says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly or in a resolute, firm, and unwavering manner in the Apostles' doctrine. Apostles' doctrine. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 28, 20, Go and teach them all things that I have taught you. Whatever I've taught you, go teach them. Make them disciples. That's exactly what they did. They went uh, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear or godly reverence came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. They all became a member of a new family. They all had something in common, didn't they? Isn't that amazing when somebody comes in here and we don't even know who they are, we know nothing about their background or their history, and they receive the Holy Ghost and they begin, they get baptized in Jesus' name. Isn't it amazing the camaraderie that you feel, that they feel toward you, that you feel toward them? Isn't that amazing that God does that? They're, you're a part of a new family. We're your family, <laughs> whether you like us or not. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted to them to all as every man had need. If they were selfish before, they weren't that way no more. If they were covetous before, they weren't that way anymore. They, if they were said, this is mine, that's not yours, you can't have any, it's mine. They didn't act that way anymore. What's mine is yours. We're family. You need something, I got it. Here, you can have it. God's going to take care of me. It's okay if I read into that a little bit. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, sincerity and purity of intention. They didn't go knocking on some stranger's doors. They went from house to house to people they knew. And they talked about it. Were you there? Because they were all Jews, right? Were you there? Did you hear him preach? Yeah, 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 I heard him preach. Here, you want to cope? You know, they. some people just didn't get it. But they weren't going to let that stop them from telling them. 
And maybe sometimes you need to hear it a second time or a third time. Some people it just takes a little longer. But eventually the Bible said went on to say that about 5,000 were added. And then it went on after that to say multiple multitudes. And it went from addition to multiplication, basically. And in one scripture, it says that they turned the world upside down with this gospel. It was like an unstoppable force. And it is an unstoppable force. Something happened to me, Sister Vicki, in 1989 when I came out of that water in Jesus' name. Something was different. I still to this day really can't explain it to you except I know that it's different. Something, something about me changed. Something clicked. Something happened. When I received the Holy Ghost, something happened. I didn't just speak in tongues. That was just the evidence. But something happened in here. I started looking at things differently. I started making decisions based on what this book said. Before that, I was just out there flapping on in the wind all by myself. So I surely didn't save myself. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. One, one version says such as were being saved. So these brand new converts immediately went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship. And how did how did the Lord add to the church? Human agency. Us. How did you end up coming here? Somebody invited you. How did you end up coming here? Somebody invited you. How did I end up in church? Somebody invited me. And I've seen lots of people come and go in churches and walk out the door and say, eh, eh, not for me. I feel bad for them. I pray for them. That's the soul. Maybe they'll go find it somewhere else. I don't just say, well, <laughs> forget them. Jesus doesn't say that. I pray God give them every chance, every opportunity you can until you come. You let the prodigal come back. Give them every chance they can have, God. Every chance. Don't let them go. And I'm coming to a close. John 4, 34 through 38 says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look onto the fields, for there are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit in, unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and that he that reapeth may rejoice together. What are we talking about sowing and reaping here? We're talking about souls. Sowing the word. Reaping the harvest. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap wherein you bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. This personal Pentecost is for everybody. 
It's for whomsoever will. Let him come. Why would you not want this? Let's all stand. And it's not just, it's, it's Pentecost Sunday and, and many churches are, are having revivals and they've, they've done a lot of pre-work and they've knocked on a lot of doors. They've got a lot of con- visitors and people in their churches and people are going to receive the Holy Ghost today. People are going to get baptized in Jesus' name today. Some lives are going to take a turn and go in another direction today. All around this world. People are getting their eyes open. People are feeling that prick in their heart. Just because we've been filled with the uh, Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name doesn't mean that we cease feeling that prick in our heart. Because what did those new converts do? With no training, no Bible studies or anything, they went and they started sharing the gospel. The good news that Jesus loves you. And Jesus came to die for you. came to die for us in this room today. I don't ever want to forget that. I want to keep that, that visual in my mind of what he looked like when he went through that beating. He said it marred his visage, his face so much that nobody could recognize him. They said they beat his back and it looked like a plowed field. He took all that and the scorn and the ridicule and the mocking and the crown of thorns and all of that. He went through that for you, for me. We we should never forget that. The cross isn't this pretty little thing that people wear around their neck. If you really think about it, it's an ugly scene. But the Bible says that he despised the shame. And the reproach. He despised it. He said, ah, I'll go through that for them. I'll go through that for you. He went through that for you today. You might have the Holy Ghost today. And you might be baptized in Jesus' name. But you might not be doing what he's been asking you to do. You might be sitting down on God right now. Because you're, you're fearful, you're afraid, you don't, you don't know what the future holds. But God's trying to tell you that He needs you to step out and do something. Whatever that is He's telling you to do, I don't know. But this altar's for you if you're in that place. I'm giving you the opportunity to come. And if you're in this room today and you've, you've never, it's the first time you've ever heard this message. I know there's people here that maybe it's the first time they ever heard this. We've all been there. We were all there one day. I was raised Catholic. I came up in the Catholic Church till I was almost 30 years old before I come into this. It's the first time I ever heard anything like this. It blew my mind. But it didn't scare me away. Because something in me said, whoa, this is real. I could tell. Something was different about this. This wasn't just some other religion. This, there, this was real. And I, I, I had to at least stick my neck out there and at least say, well, I'm going to, what's the worst that could happen is I could go down in the East China Sea in Jesus' name and I just end up a wet candidate. But something changed. Something clicked. 
And I got two sons that are in their 30s right now that are living for God right now because of a decision that I made 35 years ago or more. It changed the whole trajectory of my family. It changed the whole trajectory of my life. God's taken me places I never would have thought I would have never even volunteered to go. But here I am, serving God. That's what it's really all about. Hallelujah, Lord. This altar's open to whoever wants to come. In Jesus' name.